When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There is a big difference between being controlling and being in control. Being in control is awesome. It means you're self-aware, confident, and have strong self-esteem. But being controlling is the opposite. It's an unhealthy sign that your self-esteem is rocky and that fear is running the show. Today, I'm going to teach you the three reasons you've got control issues and my top five tips for finding peace and security within yourself. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. It's me. It's me. You know who it is, so I don't need to say it. If you don't know, come on. If you're watching me on YouTube, uh, please hit the subscribe button and like the video if you because you're gonna love it today. Today is all <laughs> today is all about control. How are you not gonna love that? And you're also seeing my really fabulous shirt. I I think everyone should come over to YouTube just for a second and see my fabulous fashion because you know I love fashion. I love fashion. Fashion's my thing. Anyway, uh, I have a, I've had a little bit of a cold. I've been battling. I don't, does your man do that? Let me ask. You know, Gary never gets sick. My Gary, I he, I don't think he's had COVID ever. I, he just doesn't. He is so he thinks it's from all his years in the Navy. You know, like they gave him shots for everything all the time. But he did. He seemed to have a bad cold last week, and I and he's like, no, no, it's allergies, it's allergies. And then I got it. So I was like, I don't think you had allergies. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if it's male pride or what, but that man stuck to his thing. He's like, well, you have different symptoms and I didn't have a scratchy throat and I don't know, you know. And I'm like, come on, dude. I got sick. You know, we're all up in each other. And I got sick right after you did. I, I, I think we all know you actually were sick. But anyway, 
He's sticking to it that he had allergies. <laughs> I do not. I have a bad cold. So I might be coughing. I might be stopping to uh, get some, I have some tea here and uh, some water. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. So just, you know, be patient, be loving, be kind. I don't uh, edit the podcast as I think you figured out by now. You know, we edit a little bit at the beginning and the end, of course, like um, putting in kind of the intro and the outro, but uh, it's all me. <laughs> if I make a mistake, it just is. If I cough at you, it just is. Uh, you know, it's all, it's, 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 it's just Abby and you. All right. So glad you're here. I originally talked about last, so I did do this where I did this kind of two-parter. So it was either last week or maybe the week before. I, I, you know, I, I record these earlier than when they come out. So I don't always know the order of things, but I, uh, years ago in the podcast in season, I think two, I did a two-parter where one was, you know, what to do if other people are trying to control you and then what to do with your own control issues. And, but I've gotten so many questions about this over the last year. I mean, and I always direct people when they ask, I'm like, oh yeah, I did that years ago, you know, a couple years ago. But just like I did last week's or the week before's um, about what to do when other people are controlling, I realized both just need an update, you know, let's, let's have an update. So if you've listened to that one, the old ones, great. Some of it will be the same. Some is different. I always add or subtract. I always do something else. But um, if not, it'll all be new to you. There you go. And you, you'll just love it right now. Uh, it, it's, you know, control. You know, I talk a lot about my own control issues. I think this is the thing I am still uh, working on so hard all the time. I you know, Gary started calling me a control enthusiast many years ago instead of a control freak, um, which of course is very sweet and kind. And so I've been using that term. And I, I think of myself as like a recovering control enthusiast, you know, recovering control freak. Let's just call it what it is. It Now, here's the deal though. Unlike, you know, my heroin recovery, <laughs> I always say people, oh, I'm, in, I'm in recovery, right? From my heroin addiction. And I use that because I've never touched heroin again. Like that, you know, once I had a sobriety date, that was it, right? No more. However, so I'd like to say that my control issues are as <laughs> abstinent as my heroin has been, but that is that would be a lie. That would be a big old fat lie, and I don't lie to you. So <sighs> I've not had complete abstinence with my control issues. I it is really the thing that comes back over and over. And I'm going to, you know, go over why you're controlling today and what are the signs and what to do about it. As always, I always give you the what, but I, I just noticed, so my daughter, um, you know, McCartney just turned 17. I know I'm so sad. I can't believe my baby is 17. Anyway. Um, and so we all went to dinner, but I had this cold, right? And I was sicker earlier in the week when it was her birthday. And, uh, I was, I, you know, when I get sick, I get weird. I, I don't like being sick. I'm a terrible, terrible patient. I'm just, <laughs> you know, some people like they get sick and they're just relieved. They're like, oh good. I can just go lay down in bed for a little bit, which I have, I, you're my idol. I want to be you. That's exactly, that's the healthy thing to do. Other people maybe lean into being sick a little too much, you know, like, maybe milk it for all it's worth. Uh, teenagers for sure do. Um, but 
I'm the opposite. I will fight it till the end. I'm not sick. I'm going to be healthy in an hour. You know, that's my thing. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so on her birthday, I didn't feel well, I didn't feel great, but I wanted to go, you know, and I, I did a COVID test. I didn't have COVID, you know, I, I wasn't, um, I, I had already been sick for days. I wasn't worried about infecting people. Don't come for me. If you're worried, like don't go out sick ever, you know? Um, but I definitely, didn't feel good. I had a little bit of a headache, that kind of thing. And I noticed I was so controlling. Like my kids were saying stuff like, mom, get off my back. Like I was inserting my opinion places it didn't need to be. I, you know, I remember driving home and Max, my son said something about, oh, I need to go out later to Target. And I was like, why do you need to go? He goes, well, I don't want, you know, Mother's Day is coming here. Um, the United States and other places. Mother's Day is coming up in a few weeks. And, he, you know, he was like, I need to go get things for holidays that are coming. Like it's none of your business. And I was like, well, you don't have to do it today. It's not for weeks. You know, I'm just like, like, shut up, Abby, shut up, mom. I just, every, I was controlling. I like, what do like, he can go do whatever he needs to. He's 19. If he needs to go to the store at seven o'clock. What, why do I have an issue? What is my problem? But that is how my control stuff comes up. I give my opinion a lot. I'm trying to, I, it's so subtle, right? I'm trying to control that he goes to the store. I want to know why he wants to go. Is it a good enough reason? It's like, what the F, Abby? Jesus Christ. So there you go. That I, It just, it comes up all the time. And I think it comes up for a lot of us in that way. And we don't realize that we're being controlling. We don't think of it exactly that way. We think of controlling only in a very, you know, like maybe someone like physically having control of somebody, but it comes up in a lot of ways. And so let me say this first. And, and when I talk about kind of the triggers for controlling behavior, which I will talk about, I realized that I had had a lot of the triggers. I was stressed. I didn't feel well. I was anxious, you know, anyway, but we'll get there. So I want to say first that it's absolutely normal and natural to want to be in control. <laughs> like, come on. It, being in control, it gives us a sense of safety and security. We are hardwired to want that. It is in your DNA to be in control. If you were out of control, you know, a million years ago, guess what? You're probably going to die. Or a hundred thousand years ago, or a friggin' a hundred years ago, you probably bad things were going to happen. You didn't have food. You didn't have shelter. Something was going to kill you. I, it's not good. It's not good. No part of us thinks, oh, being out of control, who cares? So I want to say that first to, to maybe have, um, I don't know, a, a little bit of, of kindness with yourself. Um, I want to say that first. Okay. So the issue though, is when it's like a pendulum. I want you to think of anything is on a continuum sort of. So if you think of a pendulum, right? The issue is when the pendulum swings too far in either direction. So obviously if you're someone who never wants to be in control, never wants to make a decision, that's actually your own way of being in control, blaming others, you know? Uh, or this other side of the pendulum where you're always in control, you know, you always want to know why Max is going to the store and why does he have to go tonight and what's the purpose and how long will he be gone? And, you know, and it's like, give it a break. Um, right. Either way, it's unhealthy. And we try to control events and people think about it because we think this will result in us being happy, uh, safe, successful. That's why we're trying to control. That's how what we think on the other side, I'll feel better if I control this. I don't know what I was, you know, thinking that night about having to control where Max went to the store or not, <laughs> you know, but 
that's ultimately what it comes down to at the end of the day. But when, again, when that control pendulum swings too far, we actually end up, of course, straining our relationships because we, like I was, I would, you know, people become annoyed with us. They're resistant to our bossy, judgmental, critical, rigid, controlling behavior like my son was that night. And he was actually very kind about it, but he was like, mom, what the, you know, like, get off my back. <laughs> he finally said that he's like, get off my neck. That's what they say now. That's what those crazy kids are saying now. Get off my neck. Um, I'm not sure why it became back to neck, but maybe someone can tell me. So the reality is we really can't control the majority I know of people and events in our lives. I know you think you can, but you can't. So, and the more you try, here's what's vicious about it. Here's the cycle, the circle. The more you try to control, right, other people or whatever, let's say other people, the more arguments, the more anger, hurt feelings, conflict, resentment, uh, and the more emotional distance we create, the more we try to control. And when all those things come at us, we feel even more out of control. <laughs> so as people are resisting and pulling away and angry at us, then we're like grasping for more control, right? Because we've lost even more, which results in us trying to control even more. And those issues are now more pronounced. You can see it, right? And now they're more distant and more frustrated. And then we end up feeling isolated, um, frustrated, anxious, just full of fear-based emotions, right? Can you see? It's such a vicious, vicious, vicious cycle. And it's so such a futile cycle. It's such a frustrating, exhausting, draining cycle. When we're controlling our every relationship you're in suffers. We we we're difficult to be around. We're bossy. We're critical. We're judgmental, right? And then you end up with arguments. Like I said, emotional distance, hurt feelings, that's what's on the other side. So getting in charge of our control issues is really, really important. And mostly it's, you know, we're not in control of ourselves. Like I wasn't in control of myself the other night when I was not mindful. I was not self-aware in that moment. I was not anything. And that means I was like lost in my day. I wasn't in my moments, really enjoying my daughter and my family all together at this lovely birthday dinner we all went to. I was distracted and and in my head. I don't even know what all the things was happening in my head. Nobody wants to be in there. So let's talk about signs that you might have control issues, that you might be a control freak like me. What are the signs? So getting jealous easily or often. I'm not a jealous person. So I'll say this is not how my personal control shows up. Um, and that's important to note on this list. You might only have a couple things, but those are your things and that's where your stuff is. So jealousy is not my thing. Um, you believe there's a right and a wrong way of everything you do, otherwise known as your way and the wrong way, right? Um, that has historically was how my control stuff showed up. And I still struggle with that. I do think there's a, a right way to clean the kitchen counter. I do think there's a right way to load the dishwasher. I do think, you know, and I'm not saying there isn't a most efficient way to maybe load the dishwasher, but when you get into that right and wrong is where things get really crazy. So if I was arguing with my children all the time that they're not loading the dishwasher correctly, at some point, you know, it's like, I prefer it this way. It's a preference. 
it's a preference to save what you can say, but that's right, Abby, it's the most efficient. You're saving water and all that. It doesn't fucking matter. It just doesn't. It It's so, we, the dishwasher isn't, as, they're not as clean. I have to run it twice or whatever. I make my kids scrub out the dishes that weren't clean. That's the way they learn, by the way. Um, you know, there's just a, there's a way of letting go or just, you know, I do rearrange the dishes in the dishwasher a little bit after they've done it, but I'm really grateful. They, they have learned to rinse the dishes. They have learned to put them in the dishwasher and mostly it's, I'd give it a B minus most of the time. Right. And it's, and to me, I'm, I'm arranging them to make it an A because I like an A and I, this is what I want, but I'm not mad at them while I'm doing it. Right. So that's the, and that's the difference too. It doesn't mean I don't like things a certain way. It means I don't expect everyone else to do it the way I think is right. Okay. Uh, another sign that you might be a control freak like me is you're a perfectionist. That is an issue for me. If I told you how much time I used to spend on these podcasts, <laughs> I still spend a lot of time on the podcast, which I hope you can tell. I really, I do research and I read and I write and I talk and I, you know, I really, I love you. And I, you know, this, I stay to my mission, which is to give you great evidence-based actionable tools. And that's what I do. And I think my thing is that I, if my thing in my head is would someone pay money for this? That's what, just because it's free, you know, right. You're listening. You, You don't have to pay anything to listen. I don't even make you listen to ads, right? You, it's like, it's free. And, but that doesn't mean that my, right, my standard is that it needs to be something you pay money for. But what's different is I no longer have a standard that has to be perfect. I will often, you know, stop writing and something and then, because I have an allotted amount of time that I write and I've had to do that and that I research and I, I'll find something later. I'm like, oh, I should add that. And I just don't, I, it, it's, it kills me too. Don't get me wrong. I will just stop myself. I'm like, it is really good how it is. It might not be perfect. It might not have every single bit of information that's ever been given on the topic, but it's really, really good. And it, and it, and it satisfied that criteria that I would pay money for that. I'm not saying I'd pay a hundred dollars for this podcast, but you know, I'd pay five. I'd pay eight, I'd pay seven, I'd pay 10, you know, I would for this information and these actionable tools, right? So that's how I, like, it's it's finding a place where things don't have to be perfect and creating a boundary for myself. Like, nope, you already did your time of research. You already did your time. Like, that's it. This is what it's going to be. If you want to do an updated version later, you can, like I'm doing today, but you can't just keep adding to this. Or trust me, there would be no podcast because I would... <laughs> I would still be working on episode one, okay? Um, not 239 or whatever the hell number this is. So being a perfectionist, good sign that you're ha- you're a control freak like me. Um, you get highly stressed when things don't go your way. Control freak, you're critical of other people's ideas. Or my thing, I don't know that I'm always critical of other ideas anymore. I used to be. Um, but uh, I voice my opinion without being asked a lot <laughs> when I'm in control mode. Otherwise, I'm pretty good. Um, but I do. That's why I love the podcast, right? I get to just give my opinion and be controlling and and I get praised for it. Oh, I know. Brilliant. But yeah, if you give unsolicited advice, even if you know what's best for others, that's controlling. 
I know your dad has diabetes and you're giving him the helpful hints of how he should eat and what he should do and you should exercise and not have that and you need to go to the doctor more often. Oh, yeah, yeah. well, I'm, you know, oh my gosh, I have to do this. It's my dad's life. Guess what? It's your dad's life. Unless your dad is clinically insane and you need to make all his decisions for him because he's in some home somewhere and cannot make a, a, a decision, he gets to live his life as he wants. You can ask, hey, um, or you can say how worried you are about his physical health, but you can't, you know, just say all the things he should do. By the way, he's not going to do them, number one, so it's completely unhelpful. And uh, you're just driving yourself crazy and him, and you're deteriorating your relationship. This, of course, happened a lot with my, I, I've talked about a lot in the podcast, when my son Max was was doing very poorly in high school and wanted to drop out and get his GED. And, you know, yeah, I had a boundary ultimately that he could not drop out or he could not get his GED. I was like, you have to finish high school. But I gave a lot of room in there for getting him through. I let go of a lot of stuff that I had about what that all meant. So, it, you know, yeah, with a teenager, it's some point, you can't just go, yeah, do whatever you want. Good luck, you know. But I had to let go of my Ivy League dreams and a lot of my things about what's the right thing for him. And he's going to regret this later. And he's going to, and I'll tell you, he he tells me now he does regret the decisions he made in high school. But I have to tell you, he's a great young man. He's now doing really well in college. He's at community college, but he's doing really well. This was supposed to be his path. And I'll get to this in the tips later, but I can't, you can't, decide what someone else's path is. Again, you can open doors, you can, you can, you know, make it seem like a great idea, but at some point they have to find their own way. And I'll tell you, Max has had to come back from a lot of holes he dug himself in and it's been really good for him, his character. His character is beautiful. I, I think my son's character is something, it's an Ivy League character. So that, and that's probably what I'm the most proud of. So do you know what I mean? Like, but that all happened because of this route. <laughs> and so I I don't get to say, you know, what would have been the thing. All I know is this is how it is now. So, but it gets hard, right? It, the, the line is really hard. Uh, you might be control freak if you often get involved in other people's issues or business. So, you know, if your sister and your mom are fighting and you need to hear all about it and you need to offer your advice and you need to try to help and you want to try to fix it, that and that was me. That's me. Um, <laughs> this is just an Abby podcast. Um, yeah, I'm controlling. You, you join the club. You and me can be in a club together. Um, if you tend to be possessive in relationships, this is not me at all. I'm not jealous. I'm not possessive. But some people really are, and that's a control thing. If you threaten, you know, coworkers, your kids, your partner in any way, you know, if, if, and the threat is, you know, things like if you give people the silent treatment when they don't act the way you want, when you withhold love or affection or time or something, because, you know, any of that passive aggressive bullshit, that is control stuff. That's your control stuff. Yeah, I know. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to Control World. Uh, if you think of yourself as highly persuasive, I'm highly persuasive because I'm controlling. I get it. I mean, I'm aware of it now, but yeah. Uh, if others have said that you dominate, take advantage, peer, or, you know, peer pressure them, maybe even they say you bully, you have control issues. If other people have said that you're overbearing or intimidating, even if you don't agree, even if you don't think you are, you have control issues. I know. Um, and you know, if anyone listening 
it has a substance abuse problem, disordered eating of some kind, excessive exercising, excessive cleaning, organizing, any of that are control issues. Drugs and alcohol, control issues. Oh yeah, trust me. Um, my control stuff started long ago with my heroin. Yeah, with my drugs. So yeah, uh, all of those are also symptoms. So And really what's happening is you're having a very hard time respecting other people's boundaries, but you likely don't even realize it. I I did not notice that for a long time. I just thought I was ever so helpful. Um, It's not respecting, you know, it's that bulldozer. I used to really bulldoze. I still bulldoze a little, right? Because, you know, on here I'm like, do this. ah," And I'm like screaming at you. Um, But, you know, you think you're, but sometimes you think you're being helpful or saving time or whatever, you know, being the most efficient. But what you're really doing is allowing your control issues to take center stage. That's, that's what all that is. And I'm not saying you have to give it all up. I'm not saying again, that you let your kids run, run riot. I'm saying be aware of it, be self-aware and then be mindful of where it's needed and where it's not. That's the problem again, when the pendulum swings too far the other way. It's, I I see parents, oh my God, the craziness about kids' food sometimes or things like that where, you know, the like we had a thing when my kids were little that we didn't have any sugar. There's no reason for my little tiny children to have sugar for the babies or little kids to have sugar. Even, yes, even on the first birthday, didn't need sugar. Like, why do you need this? But when they were in, started going to daycare, which was early granted, when they started going to daycare and there were birthday parties and things like that, that's when we were like, sure, they can have sugar. At like, I wasn't thinking they're never going to have sugar the rest of their lives. And I didn't want them to feel, for me, this is me. This, you're not a bad parent if you do this different. I wasn't a bad parent for doing it either, by the way. Let's not get judgmental. Um, but that's how we did it. We thought, well, once they start really being, it's, it's a social issue, we're going to shift that a little. If they would go over to, you know, someone to a birthday party or to someone's house for dinner or whatever, and they had different kind of rules around eating, we were okay with that. We, we figured, yeah, most of the time at home, they're getting a very healthy, well-rounded diet. And the other 20% of the time when they're out and eating or whatever, they're not, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Like I could let go of my control craziness for a period of time. Um, I think I've shared with everybody before, like my kids had nothing but breast milk for the first year of their lives. I know. Cause I read that that was healthiest. And I know now when I look back, I had a lot of guilt about working, um, while my kids were so little and I thought this is the thing I can do. And I was insane. I was a control nut, crazy person. Um, with them only getting breast milk and pumping and mailing milk home when I was working, you know, away when I was away on business. And I, I was just a nut. I had so, <laughs> there was so much breast milk everywhere. Anyway, um, but you know what I mean? Like that's where my control, like when I look back and I think of how crazy I made myself, what was I doing? You know, what would have been so bad if they had had a little bit of something else? You know, I got so black and white. I got so rigid about it. Um, and that's the thing, you know, you just want to look at that when we're so rigid. And a lot of that felt good to me because of being, you know, in, you know, recovering from a drug addiction, it's, it's, there's some rigidity there, right? There is a black and whiteness to it. You you just don't 
don't do this anymore. You know, you don't use heroin anymore. <laughs> so there's a black and whiteness that I felt very comfortable with. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that that black and white stuff fits really in very few situations. Um, I have a black and whiteness about violence. I have, yeah, I do. You know, there are things I have it, but it's again, very few situations. Okay. So let's talk about why you're a control enthusiast. And there's really three main reasons. I'm not saying there aren't others, and certainly these can overlap, but there are three main reasons you might have control issues today in your life as an adult listening to this. So reason number one is childhood. I know it always comes back to your childhood. Most control issues you're experiencing as an adult can be traced back to some issue with how you how you attached with what we call your attunement to your primary caregivers as a kid. Now, it doesn't mean there was some serious trauma, although there might've been. It means that something was just off between the way you were parented and what your individual needs as a human were as a child. So this could be anything from, you know, not feeling unconditional love and acceptance from your parents or primary caregivers to actual abuse or neglect. So depending on depending on this misalignment, right, with how you were parented and what you needed, your control issues can obviously take a lot of different forms. That makes sense, right? So um, uh, for example, if you didn't feel loved by your dad, you might have become a perfectionist who got straight A's in order to receive attention from him. You might have sought out his praise and reassurance. Uh, reassurance. <laughs> I couldn't say that word. Um, you might have sought that out, which was the only real way that you had to boost your self-esteem and feel good about yourself. So that's why you were always seeking it out. Maybe you did grow up with an alcoholic mom and grew to hate never being able to count on anything being consistent in your home growing up. As an adult, you so you crave order and only feel calm when things are happening in a certain way. When you're in control, you know what to expect. So think this, see, this means that uh, there'll be no surprises which can come your way. And then that makes you feel safe. Understandable, right? Maybe you even had a coach. This can happen if you start sports young. Maybe you had a, a caregiver or maybe a coach who was so controlling that you're craving control in your current life uh, because of all the control that was taken away when you were young. Maybe you were the victim of sexual, physical, or emotional abuse and you don't want to let anyone see you know, kind of cracks in your current armor for fear they'll take advantage. Um, maybe felt neglected in some way by one of your parents or both of them or your guardians. And so you've had to control your environment from an early age because there was all this neglect. And, you know, just to survive and get by, you had, to, you had to control things. So you became used to relying only on yourself because you didn't feel like you could rely on those who were supposed to be, you know, taking care of you, who were supposed to be doing the, being in the driver's seat. And the, the pattern of thoughts and behavior that gets set from all these things is very hard to break. And that would lead into reason number two, because some of the things I just said are traumatic or would be trauma. Reason number two is trauma. So that's really the second reason you might be experiencing control issues now. It could be, it, it's some past or ongoing trauma. So because you, so you could have had a great, secure, re attached relationship with your parents, but 
Um, I have a client who was gang raped in college as a freshman and she had really a very strong, good upbringing and she, boy, her control stuff came out like crazy. Like she started to develop all these control issues after that. Understandable, right? Uh, or maybe you're being controlled by someone else now. So feel the need to exert control wherever you can, uh, when you're out of that like person's sphere, so that could be a really controlling boss you have right now, or a spouse or partner uh, who's domineering or jealous. You might have a manipulative or overprotective parent who still runs parts of your life. So again, you look for ways to regain control in other areas because they have control in these in in, in other areas, right? And then the third reason, and again, all these can overlap or be just one of them or whatever. Um, the third reason is a mental health diagnosis. You know, that that's could be the third reason you're struggling with your inner control freak. It's related to a mental health diagnosis. So, you know, mood disorder like anxiety obvi is obvious. You could have a real, you know, we use that word anxious a lot, but you can have an actual diagnosis of anxiety or personality disorders, you know, borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. Any of those will also show very, very controlling um, issues come up, right? So, okay. So there's all your signs. There's all the reasons why. Now, let, I want, before we get to the tips, I want to talk about two ways to look at control. I'm going to have a sip first of my water. Okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So two new ways to look at control. Let's, let's talk about it. So the first new way, the first viewpoint paradigm worldview is looking at your control as it, it's realizing it's a defense mechanism. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Not a personality trait. You can absolutely change this state of being. Okay. It's a state of being right now. It's a, habit, a habitual way of being, but like all habits, you can change it. You can absolutely change this, this way of being. Your controlling behavior, since it's a defense mechanism, the big question I want you to ask yourself is, what am I defending? What am I so afraid of that I feel a need to cover it up in this way? What would, you know, why is it so scary for the dishes to not, you know, to be in a different way in the dishwasher because other people do it that way. Your partner might have no trouble throwing, that might be the person who's pissing you off in the dishes, right? They might put the 
the tines of the forks down instead of up in the dishwasher. I think they should be up. <laughs> Gary thinks they should be down, right? But he lives with it. Like what, like what, it doesn't have to be this way. What would happen if the dishwasher had to be run twice? What would happen? You know, we get, well, then I'd have to have to do them again. And then, then I would, I would throw off my day and that, whoa, what, like, really? Like your whole day is going to be ruined because you have to put the dishwasher up? Is your, are you down to the wire in such a way? Uh, the second new way of looking at your control issues is to see control like a drug. <clears throat> and this is how I kind of do it. And I know because I'm a recovering addict, you know, a lot of things feel like addiction to me, but um, I see it as a craving to micromanage or control the actions or behaviors of other people. You know, it's micromanaging or, or trying to control your kids, your partner, your coworkers, um, keeping any kinds of rigid rules or routines. You know, that's all something to look at. It, it, it's a just like it's a problem if you're craving drugs. It's a problem if you're craving control. Um, and you know, just like with drugs, there are often triggers for controlling behavior. Okay, so and that's the thing I really want you to look at. What are your triggers? So I mentioned this whole thing with the birthday party the other night with my daughter and some of the triggers. So I'm, I was, I'm feeling stressed because I had a lot going on the, you know, the week of her birthday and I was sick and, um, I'm, I'm leaving on a trip on Sunday. So I knew I have to like get podcasts done and see clients and, and McCartney's birthday and make sure we decorate the house. And I, I always make her birthday cake and, you know, like there was a lot going on that was sort of extra. So I would say that triggers for, for controlling behavior, stress is probably the number one trigger I see for me and for others. You know, you start to get stressed, you have too much on your plate. Um, or experience at least is too much. And then you get controlling as you attempt to keep everything in line, right? Uh, the second thing that comes up, second trigger is this perfectionism. So it's really related to stress, but it's this um, relentless need to have everything a certain way. There's something tied to things being a certain way, you know, your self-esteem, your ego, and because that's the way it quote unquote should be with little thought into why it needs to be this way. Why is it such a big deal that your partner left his razor on the counter and didn't put it in the cabinet? Like, wow, you know, right? Things get really big. Uh, a third trigger for control behavior is being unsure. When things are in flux or changing, that's when control becomes big. This is why when there's a lot of change, uh, it's really a bad idea to have a lot of change at once. You know, having a new baby and moving your home and starting a new job. You know, you don't do all these things at the same time. I can't tell you how many clients I have who do. It makes me a little crazy. Um, it's such a bad idea. I know it seems like the right time to get a puppy when you have a baby too. Well, I'm going to be home anyway. Let's also get a puppy and they can grow up together and it'll be so beautiful. That's your that's your friggin' perfectionism coming through. It's insane to add to the difficulties of having a new child in the house, adding a puppy. You've got to be kidding me. You're smoking the crack. You need to step back from the pipe. Okay. I know. <laughs> right now there's someone listening going, holy shit, I just had a baby and I got a puppy. I, I know. I love you, but you're being nuts. Just saying. I know. And right now you're fighting me. You're like, no, Nabby. No, it's a great idea. If you're doing that, you're controlling and crazy. I know. I know. I've got you coming and going. You're like, damn, Abby. All right. But you know, I love you. 
And that's why I'm telling you some hard truths. I'm not saying get rid of the puppy now that you've already gotten it. I'm saying get some help now for the puppy since you've already gotten it. Uh, when things are unpredictable, it feels scary. When things are in flux, there's that fear again. And controlling folks want to get things back in line before it all goes haywire. Uh, fourth trigger that I see a lot is overscheduling. People tend to not only overschedule, but to plan everything down to the minute. That's why you care that you have to put up the dishwasher again because you have everything planned down in the motherfucking minute. No wonder you're so crazed. Your partner comes home in the middle of the day and uh, early from work and says, hey, let's let's have some nookie. Kids are out. Let's, let's have some sex. And you're like, no, because you're like, oh, I have all these emails to send out. You've planned everything down to the friggin' minute. I've got to send these emails back out. Then I have to do this. Then I have to put up the laundry. Then I have to do that. And then I'm going to go pick up the kids. And, that, and you did not, you know, schedule in. And how long does the sex really take? Have a quickie against the dryer. It'll be okay. 15 minutes. Boom. Um, but you, it's like you can't get out of that mindset of what you thought was going to happen. And so you've overscheduled to such a degree that you become a control nut, crazy person, enthusiast. Uh, you, you should be expecting delays and schedule in cushions. Yes, you should be expecting different. Because don't they always happen? Delays happen. The traffic gets weird. Somebody stops you and you have a quick conversation. Uh, your your partner comes home and wants some sex. Things are going to happen. So schedule in. Schedule a little cushion. God forbid what? You were sitting for a few minutes every day? It would be okay. Uh, people who sleep until the last second and then feeling rushed out the door in the morning. It, it, first of all, it's no way to start your day. I've talked about this 10 times, but it's such a bad way to think then you're not going to be controlling and yelling at your kids, get out the door, get your clothes on, let's go, let's go. I mean, that's controlling. It, it is. Uh, scheduling 10 things after your kids get out of school, too much, stop. Because again, you got to get controlling to make everything happen in that time frame. <gasps> I can hear myself <laughs> talking in this rapid way and having a hard time catching my friggin' breath. And I'm going to take another sip of water. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Another trigger from controlling behavior is impatience. Many of us get very caught up in our impatience. If you've ever watched your child, your little kid try to zipper their jacket for the first time when you're trying to get them out of the house, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I would have to call school all the time. We're going to be late for school because McCartney has to zip her own jacket. Yeah. Okay. When that frustration bubbles up and things aren't going exactly as planned, we get upset and there goes that controlling behavior again. It's going to be there. Obviously, anxiety is a trigger, right? I mean, all these triggers are about anxiety, but it doesn't matter if you have a diagnosable condition or not. Control is all about some fear-based anxiety. You worry about the future, stress about the past apprehension about an upcoming meeting or obligation, your nervousness, nervousness about uh, your daughter making the basketball team, the jealousy you feel around your partner, agonizing about what school to choose for your son, all the feelings of uneasiness, discomfort, concern. These are all anxiety and lead to control issues because you're trying to alleviate those upsetting feelings. I know. I'm going to, here you go. I'm going to give you a change your life statement. Are you ready? I'm going to move my hair out. Okay. I'm going to really get ready. Love doesn't trigger control. Fear does. Say that again. Love doesn't trigger control. 
fear does. It's not loving when you're trying to get your kid out the door and you're you're forcing them not to zip their jacket. You know what I mean? That's not love. That's fear. That's that's fear. Love-based emotions, uh, openness, intimacy, kindness, closeness, compassion, willingness, ease, connection, they all make us feel relaxed, peaceful, content, satisfied, happy. None of these trigger control. When you're feeling those things, you don't feel like controlling everything. I know. Crazy, right? So, so, so how do you get away from that fear-based control world and get yourself over to the love-based world? So there are some tried and true methods to move you from control to that kind of calm, patient ninja. And I'm going to give you my top five tools. Okay, here we go. And these are obviously many from the research, but, and from my 30 eight plus, it's, I guess it's more now. Yeah. It's 38 years of working with clients. We're getting up to 40. Okay. Long time of working with people, seeing what works and what doesn't. All walks of life, different countries, different states here in the United States, uh, people with money, people without money, uh, all kinds of different colors and religions and all kinds of things. Here's what, here's what we know. <laughs> okay. Here's what, here's what I know works. Here are my top five tools. Tool number one, and I'm going to give you a fabulous gift for this. How do you like that? I'm going to just, because I love you this much. Yes, I'm going to give you something so good for this one. You have to learn how to truly relax. I know you think you know, you don't. If you have to, like, relaxing isn't, oh, yeah, I know how to relax. I sit I sit at home and I have a margarita after work. You know, that's not, yeah, I, that's getting relaxed. But you have to, that's not really relaxing your nervous system. All that's doing is a temporary um feeling better where you're ignoring your nervous system for a little bit. So, and I've always hated when people tell me just relax. Oh, I want to punch them in the face. There's no just about it. Just relax. Just, just, oh, I just want to hit you in the face. Okay. There it's, there's no just. Learning to relax is a skill, and like any other skill, you need to practice it to get good at it. But how the hell do you practice being relaxed? If I could do it, I wouldn't need to practice it. I know. (laughs) Here's how you do it. And here's my gift. There is something called progressive muscle relaxation. They call it PMR. And it would, PMR, progressive muscle relaxation. It was developed by uh, Dr. Edmund Jacobson in the 30s. And Jacobson was trained at Harvard by uh, the father, by William James, who we all call the father of modern psychology. Okay. And his premise was that mental calmness is a natural result of a physical relaxation. And we know he's right. We've had tons of research since the 30s. We know this is true. This is why I've talked about it so much on the podcast, right? Your, Your sympathetic nervous system takes over. It's very hard to be relaxed from that. You can't even remember all the good tools Abby taught you when that is going on. So you have to engage your parasympathetic nervous system, which means you need to physically like actually relax, not just talk about being relaxed. And progressive muscle relaxation or PMR has been researched quite a bit and has been shown to be highly effective as a tool to lessen not just stress, but uh, anxiety, depression, insomnia, and even chronic pain symptoms. I know PMR is bad friggin' ass. 
So it's basically a deep relaxation technique, which uses a very simple uh, system of tensing or tightening one muscle group at a time as you progress from your head to your feet. It's that easy. Like you could just do it. But, uh, and we also call these body scans, by the way. I, I, when I came, you know, started learning about all this in the 80s, they were called body scans because you're like scanning down your body, right? You're starting at the top of your head usually and working to your feet, but you can go the other way too. You can start your feet and work up to your head. Um, and so whether you call it a progressive relaxation exercise or progressive muscle relaxation, it, it's all or body scans, all the same thing. Okay. All the same thing. So when you're in a controlling state, right, you're anxious and this is what's showing up in all that physical stiffness in your body. You know, your shoulders inching up to your ears, your jaw clenches, um, you know, your tongue in the root for your mouth, <laughs> you know, tightening your stomach muscles and breathing out of your chest and <coughs> sorry. See, I told you I might start coughing. We've been here a minute. Hold on. I'm going to my tea. So breathing out of your chest, this is all uh, sympathetic nervous system stuff. And this is one of the reasons that people with anxiety end up with physical pain, right? Uh, back pains, headaches, stomach and indigestion issues, right? And all that. I know. It's all connected. So these progressive muscle relaxation exercises or body scans are highly effective, again, from the research tools to change your controlling ways. And I created uh, using the, there, there's a specific protocol to them and they take about 20 minutes from the, you know, the time you start at one part, the top of your head or the bottom of your feet to the other end of your body, tensing, releasing, tensing, releasing. And I've created with my melodic voice, because you love my melodic voice, uh, a progressive relaxation for 20 minutes. I think there's rain in the back, you know, one of those. I did it a few years ago, but I still use it with all my clients. It's very uh, effective. I use it myself. It's interesting. And you can even, there's been some research showing that if you record one yourself with your own voice, it's even better for you. I know. Um, and I do listen to me and my voice. Uh, I don't find my voice particularly um, <laughs> relaxing, but it is interesting to kind of talk to yourself. There's there's a whole psychology behind it. And, and the research does show that that can be um, even, even better. So if you want to take it up a notch, make your own. Follow the protocol and make your own. Um, so I did create one you can use. What I want you to do is try it for seven days, seven consecutive days. Again, it takes about 20 minutes. So you would set aside this time. You can do it right before you go to bed. You could do it in the middle of the day. The I give it to my clients a lot for when they ha either have trouble falling asleep or have trouble staying asleep. You know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't get back to sleep, this is like, this is, it's what I use when I can't get back to sleep. Hello, this is it. I, I put this on. So, uh, and I, I have that wonderful um, little head wrap that holds the headphones in so I can sleep. Uh, with it on without like things feeling like they're sticking in my ears and hurting me. Uh, I love that thing. And uh, anyway, uh, I know they're great. We have great inventions in the world. So do a progressive relaxation. Come over to the website, abbymedcalf.com uh, forward slash podcast, and you will look for this episode. Or you can go to abbymedcalf.com forward slash relationship tips and tools, which is the blog. And there's also a corresponding episode um, related to this. And um, 
you can get it for free. You'll have to put in your email as usual. Uh, and you get on my weekly, are you not on my weekly love letter? If you like the podcast, you would love my weekly love letter. It's a love letter. It's, it's meant to help you think differently. There, I don't do anything. Do we not know by now? I'm not sleazy. Hello. Uh, it, you're just on my list of getting the weekly love letter. I don't sell you things. I don't, again, maybe twice a year when I do create something, you'll get a coupon if you want money off of that thing. But other than that, it's just me every week giving you some inspiration, motivation to get through the week, a different way to think about your life, a different way to think about something. Uh, That's all it is. And if you don't want it, then you can just delete yourself, unsubscribe. It's not hard. I don't hide it. Um, So there you go. But, or we might just put it up on YouTube as a video and it might just be that easy that you don't even have to put in your email. Isn't that nice? Anyway, either way, we'll have it ready for you. Come over to the website. It'll be there. Um, Okay. Tip number two is learn to delegate or cut things out. If it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter now. (laughs) You know, you got to hire people. You got to order in a pizza sometimes. Uh, and you're not ruin, ruining your kid if they only have one sport or activity at a time. The really important thing with delegation is you can't be attached to outcomes, you know, because no one else is going to do it just like you, and that needs to be okay. So start with small things if this is especially hard for you, but find something and get someone else to do it today. And by the way, don't you can't delegate to your partner. Because you guys are, you know, I talk about this a lot, this is the essence of everything I discuss. You and your partner are a shared entity. You are a shared battery. So when you give something to your partner, you are, um, you are delete, you're depleting the, the shared battery, which means you're depleting yourself. You're not, you can't really delegate to a partner, you know, because you're, it's the same, you know, I always say this, right? You and your partner, your partner can't take things off your plate because it's the same plate. <laughs> you're sharing the plate. You're just moving around the mashed potatoes. Okay. So you can't delegate to your partner. That's not, de- that's not taking things off your plate. It's again, you share the plate. So you really have to look outside the couple when you delegate. Okay. Outside the couple. It's also okay. A mem- member to delete things, to get rid of things, to say no, even if it's something you've always done. So people expect it from you. I don't care if you've been the chair of the auction committee every year for your older kid. And now your younger kid is there and people are like, well, you already know how to do it. And now your other kid, nope, nope. Can't do it anymore. I know you've done the Christmas card every year, but maybe not this year. Or if you choose to do it, what are you going to take off your plate? Maybe hire more help over the holidays to offset the time you're using for the, you know, right? The actual, the, these extra things get added to your plate. So what, you know, I'm having people over for dinner and I'm start and I'm sending out holiday cards and I'm going to parties, I'm getting less sleep. It's insane. During that time, you should think about having a cleaning person every week for that month instead of every other, or having them also do the laundry. You should have that anyway. Um, or hiring people to, I hire people to clean up and prep and help set up when I have large dinner parties so that I'm not left with that big mess at the end. So I'm just cooking, which I enjoy actually. And then all the part that I don't enjoy, someone else does. I know. Works out great. Uh, But you have to think about that. When I'm adding things, what am I going to take off? Tip number three, let go of right. (laughs) There is not a right way to clean the kitchen counter. I know this is so painful. Trust me. I believe there's a right way. I know. I have teenagers. There feels like a right way. There's not. It's your preference. 
It's my preference that the kitchen counter gets cleaned a certain way, but there's not only one right way to do it. I know you're sitting there arguing like, well, Abby, if there's jelly in the middle of the counter, then that's not right. Who says? Who says? Other people are not bothered by the jelly. Guess what? Just you. It's your preference that the counter that you lift up everything and wipe under it if you say you're wiping the counter. That's your preference. There's not one right way to clean. I know it seems that way. I, I understand. Trust me. I feel your pain. The struggle is real. I could say all the things. This is me. I am you. <laughs> if you are arguing with me right now, trust me, I have argued with me already. Okay? And, and we're wrong. We're just wrong. People live all kinds of ways and it's okay. It's, it's, I like it a certain way. I've shared before, you know, when Gary shaves and he swishes out the sink from his whiskers, he, he does it 90%, right? To me, I still see whiskers. Most of them are gone. The vast majority are gone, but I still see a few here and there. And then it's really disgusting. There's a little toothpaste in there. I'm, I'm just grossed out, but that doesn't mean he's doing it wrong. Because it's not perfectly clean. Like, it's not. If I had to give him a grade, I've said this before, it would be like an A minus, B plus. That's a good grade. That you don't, we're not looking, we have to stop looking for perfection. We have to stop looking for the only one right way. You got to let it go. If you know what I do, I wipe out the sink the rest of the way. I've timed it. It takes about four seconds, I know. And I don't do it for him. I do it for me because it's the way I like it. It's for myself. It's not for him. I'm not cleaning up after him. He's He cleaned up after him. He would be fine with a few little things in the sink. I'm doing it for me. And once you get out of that victim bullshit that makes me crazy, you know it does. I talk about it a lot. And start taking responsibility for how you like things and how you want things. It doesn't mean he doesn't love me, that he doesn't care about me. It doesn't mean he doesn't think what's important to me isn't important to him. It doesn't mean any of that. You are insane when you go there. This man is completely devoted to me and loves me so much. And when he doesn't, when he wipes his whiskers 90%, it does not mean anything other than he sees it differently than I do when he looks at the sink. That's all it means. I know. I know it feels different. I've thought the other things too, but it doesn't make them true. If someone is willing to do friggin' anything, let that be enough. Let it be enough. <laughs> if it's half-assed, try to have the most generous interpretation of them and their actions. It's not your way or the highway anymore. Let people find their own way to help and be part of the action. It Right? Let it be enough. And if you want it again different, make it yourself for you, not for them. Okay. Tip number four is you have to dispute negative thinking with realistic self-talk. Okay. So when you think things like, I'll never love again if we break up, I'll never get over it if he ignores me again, we never make any changes that stick, Uh, we've been this way for too long, this is just how it's always going to be, that leads to anxiety and controlling behavior. Those kinds of uh, catastrophizing thoughts, generalizing thoughts, negative thoughts, my head is very itchy today, sorry, Uh, (laughs) lead to controlling behavior right? That's because it's all fear-based. It's not real. This type of thinking comes from scarcity, right? It comes from fear, not love and abundance, scarcity and fear. If you're thinking in this way, then you're not staying in the relationship because you love your partner so much. You're staying because you're afraid of being alone, right? Or or having his mother hate you or the kids becoming addicts due to your divorce. (laughs) You know, insert 
traumatic thing here or phobia here, right? You have to ask yourself, you know, which I've said many times, what else could be true? If I was to calm together person, what would my reaction be? You, you need to figure that out. But you, you got to stop with all that other stuff because that is leading to the controlling behavior and that is creating a lot, a lot of issues for you. All right. Tip number five is you have to work on acceptance. This needs to be one of your top goals, things in life, uh, uh, you know, things you're trying to achieve is acceptance. And I will tell you that I've been talking about 12 steps a lot today, uh, or my recovery. Anyway, a, a wonderful part of 12 step programs, such as, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous is the inclusion of the first part of the serenity prayer by, uh, Reinhold, I think it's Niebuhr. It's like N-E-I-B-U-H-R. I'm not sure. Can Germans help me? I think that's German. Um, the serenity prayer is pretty famous. We only say the first part generally, not the second part, but we say, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I have to tell you, because what did I say earlier? Uh, you know, troubles with alcohol or drugs, they are control problems. And it it is, you know, uh, yeah, you control the rest of my life, but I control how much I drink, you know, like F you. Uh, they, it, it is at in the end of the day, it's feeling out of control. It's not feeling enough control. It's all control stuff. So we use, we use that prayer every single meeting you go to. You cannot go to a 12 step meeting and not hear the serenity, pr- that part of the serenity prayer and that line from it. And it's brilliant and beautiful and says it all, right? Grant me the serenity. That's what you're praying for. If you don't believe in God, that's fine with me. Just, I need to have the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. There you go. You don't have to pray to God if you don't want to. I'm a God gal, as you know, uh, or source and the universe gal. But, or just take ownership yourself. I don't care. It still fits. We use the word surrender a lot in 12 steps in the rooms. And as much as I always hated that word, can you imagine me, control freak that I am, you know, first getting clean and hearing I had to surrender? I'm like, F you, I'm not surrendering shit. Like, what are you talking about? It was the hardest thing because I didn't understand what it really meant. I always hated that word. And now I love it because when... When I surrender, I'm fully realizing that something truly isn't in my control and I'm relieved. When you get there, that's acceptance. You're like, oh, I don't even have to worry about that. Thank God. Oh my God. All these things just came off my plate. The dictionary says surrender is is to cease resistance. I love that. I love to cease resistance because that's all I'm doing is resisting when I'm trying to control. It's all resistance. It's it's a time that you realize that maybe what's going on, what's going to happen is the right outcome that maybe I don't know best and that there are other lessons here I haven't learned yet. When you really let that go, you know that um, there's a Kierkegaard uh, quote, um, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards, right? You know, when we look back, if I look back at my addiction and all the rehabs I was in and how hard I tried to get clean, you know, they could all look like 
at the time they looked looked and felt like failures and and this is a terrible thing happening to me and this is the worst that can be and people aren't helping me or whatever and of course as i look back i re- i don't think i'd be sitting here talking to you right now if that had not been my path i mean i wouldn't have chosen the job i wouldn't have ended up moving to california from new york or having moved to israel i i wouldn't you know or massachusetts or new hampshire all the places i've lived i wouldn't certainly wouldn't have married my kid's dad i wouldn't have had my kids i mean i could go on and on with none of that would be here without that it's easy to you know as steve jobs said like connect the dots looking back it's easy but in the moments we think our control of these things is important. And I just share the story of Max. Like I was like, oh, you know, I just was crazy. I saw him living in a box under a bridge homeless with like three baby mamas and lots of kids. And it was bad. It was really bad. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do if I have grandkids? And how am I going to do? I mean, <laughs> it's like <laughs> easy there, Abby. <laughs> Take a chill, Abby. Uh, you know, but that's where I'm going. My fear is running rampant. And instead, I've got this great kid who's wonderful. We have a great relationship. He's doing well in school. I don't know what his next thing is going to be. I understand it's not a straight line. I don't think he's suddenly home free from here. He's going to have his next struggle and his next failures and his next uh, trying to make it right. And I'm going to have my next battles with not trying to control and give advice and try to, right? All I can have is my boundaries in that. You know, here are things I will and won't financially pay for. Here are things I will always emotionally support you 100%. I'm not going to financially support things. Um, And so you're going to have to make your decisions from there. And then I'm going to have to live with that if he has nowhere to live. I'm going to have to just keep talking to him and loving him and making choices. And I don't know what that's going to be, but I don't have to go there today because today he's happy, healthy, going to school and doing great. So I'm just going to be in that moment (laughs) in every moment, right? I can only control myself, not other people. I know. I hate this. There's nothing greater in my life that I've learned than this that I hate the most. It's this. You can't make anyone else choose the right thing. And it's frankly complete, I'm going to say this with love, arrogance to think that you know the right thing for other people anyway. It's arrogant. It's friggin' arrogant. Stop giving advice pushing your agenda, deciding what's right or wrong for everyone, and start accepting, listening, offering support, right? That's what you want to do. Again, this gets really hard as parents because obviously I would not say to do this with a five-year-old. And even within that, if your child is choosing, if your male child is choosing to dress in female clothes, you know, I'm that person that would say, go help him pick out some dresses to wear or whatever, what, what what are female clothes these days? Who even knows? But, you know, if he wants to wear dresses, okay, and, and you consider that female and he's male, you know, how would you support that? How could you let go of and practice unconditional acceptance, right? And that's really the thing, that we unconditionally accept where our kids you know, who our kids are, who our friends are, who our partner is, who our parents are. We unconditionally accept them for who they are, right? Because love, unconditional love is relatively easy. It's the acceptance that's hard. And we don't feel loved unless we're accepted. That's the problem. So you can love your kid all you want. And if your boy wants to wear dresses and you tell him he can't, he's not going to feel loved by you. You can think, oh, I love you. But if you're not accepting who they are, they're not going to feel it. And you're going to have 
problems are going to happen. I'm not saying that you can't talk to him about it and ask and wonder with him, you know, hey, tell me more about dresses. Like what, how, how do you feel when you're wearing them? And just, you know, let me, let me get to know you better. What, what does this mean to you? Or how is it five years old? I don't know how much they're going to be able to tell you, but as they get older and that's the, that's our job. And it's loving detachment. I talk a lot about it. I'll link in the show notes to my loving detachment podcast, but episode, I mean, um, that's, you know, that's what's key is practicing loving detachments, that detachment, that is how you get better at being unconditional at accepting and truly practicing acceptance in your life, because that that's really, let's be real what it's all about. Okay. That's it. These are my, those are my five tips. Those are all the reasons you're controlling. We got to go. I feel like it was a therapy session with me today. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I recently got, um, asked, uh, on Instagram, someone DM me and she was, it's, it's kind of, maybe I'll read the DM at some point. Cause it was very sweet. She was listening in the car with her daughter in Germany, um, with her little daughter, Martha. And, uh, her daughter said, Oh, you know, I, you know, the podcast was on and she was just kind of, you know, they're, I guess she likes her to learn English. And so they were listening and the daughter said something like, well, I really, you know, I kind of like her voice. She's easy to listen to. We love you little Martha in Germany. Um, and then the, she's, and the daughter said, I, she should do something with her, with one of her children or her children about, you know, all the stuff that she teaches about how to get along and how to, you know, have a healthy relationship. And I was like, oh, and my son Max has been after me forever, who I always talk about. McCartney, no. That's why I don't talk as much about McCartney because she's not as open to having her life be broadcast. So I, I'm respectful of that uh, as much as I can be. And But Max, he's all about it. So I, what would you think if I did, I think it would be a separate podcast or maybe I did bonus episodes. I wouldn't substitute these, but maybe I would do some bonus episodes with Max. Anybody interested, send me an email, abby at abbymedcalf.com or DM me on Insta or I don't know, Facebook or wherever you are. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts or what you think the focus could be. That's always been what stopped me. Max has been asking forever. He's like, we should talk about, you know, parenting and teenagers and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. Cause I, I certainly don't ever want to seem like I have some perfect relationships with my kids because I don't. And the way I do it, like this is one of those times when I use the research and what I'm told works with my kids and it seems to be working so far. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I'm always wary of like, oh, do what I do because it's the best. I, I don't like that. So I feel like if there's a way though, maybe a conversation between Max and I and how he, you know, how he reacts when I'm controlling and how he reacts, you know, what he thinks um, about our, my divorce from his dad or, and how we co-parent now, which, which, you know, we were all together um, at McCartney's birthday this past week, you know, my ex and his wife and my Gary and all of us were together and we're you know, I think we're a great family and we were laughing and having fun together and it felt really good. Um, you know, I don't know, would that be interesting or would that not? So yeah, let me know. Let me know your thoughts. Love to hear it. That's it for today though. I love you so, so much. It's always great spending time with you. Please, um, you know, if you want to get the love letter, you can sign up on the website or anytime you download something. Um, if you're again watching me somewhere, please leave a review or like or subscribe. You know, 
we're in a relationship, so I appreciate, you know, it's a reciprocal relationship. It's I, I'm giving, but part of a relationship is all, both of us sort of giving and receiving uh, in each way. And that's a way that you can give. Uh, it's when you send me ideas, it's a way to give. When you um, DM me like that mom did with that idea, that's a way to give. When you subscribe or leave a review or rate, that's a way to give. Um, buy my book is a way to give or a product. These are all ways to give. You know, you don't have to spend money to give. Uh, but I, you know, we're, it's, we are, it's not tit for tat. It's not like, oh, I did this for you. You have to do this for me at all. It's just, we're in a relationship and we talk to each other and we support each other. And that's what it is. Um, so anyway, there you go. I love you. I'm really excited to have done this topic. I think it's a good one and, uh, have an amazing week and I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter. A health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.